This week's TribCast is sponsored by What's the best way to speak to children about the pandemic? Texas A&M school psychology and counseling experts offer advice for parents and caregivers at today.tamu.edu. And Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute is committed to providing factual and reliable information regarding mental health resources related to the coronavirus. Find out more at texasstateofmind.org slash COVID-19. Hello, and welcome to the April 1st edition of the Texas Tribune Tripcast. This is Alexa Uda. We're doing something a bit different in light of the moment we're in. The roundtable discussion and banter that's typical of the Tripcast doesn't adequately align with the fear and anxiety that many are living with amid the coronavirus pandemic. The Tribune is also practicing social distancing, so all of our reporters are working remotely for the time being. What we're doing instead is one-on-one conversations with some of the Tribune reporters who have been bringing you the news on the state of coronavirus in Texas. This week, I'll be joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey, justice and politics reporter Emma Platoff, and criminal justice reporter Jolie McCullough. Ross, welcome back to the Tribcast. We've missed your howdies. Uh, Well, howdy. (laughs) So you've been documenting the governor's decisions in response to the spread of the new coronavirus in your columns, particularly as he resisted calls for a statewide shelter in place or or stay-at-home order. At one point, you referred to it as good medicine, tough politics. Take me back to your assessment and the sort of dilemma that was laid out before Abbott a week and a half ago. Well, you know, he has, uh, he's dithered, frankly. I mean, he's, uh, you can tell that he's stuck somewhere between his pollsters and his medical advisors. And, um, you know, he has tried to satisfy everybody at the same time. There have been steady calls, you know, since early March for stay at home and for social uh, distancing and for all of those kinds of things. On the other end, you know, Abbott has people who were, you know, hearing that this was all a democratic hoax and all of that kind of stuff. And if you look at a state with 254 counties in it, as the governor does, uh, you were looking at a situation where some of them were saying, we need to social distance now, we need to put people in their homes, we need to close some of these businesses. And on the other hand, people saying, you know, I haven't seen any cases out here, I don't know what you're talking about, leave me alone, we'll talk later. And he uh, tried to stay in the middle. So, He came out and said, you know, social distancing is a good idea, and if cities want to go further than I'm going, then they can do that. He pretty early closed some businesses and said we shouldn't, you know, have open dining rooms and we shouldn't have open gyms and places where 10 or more people gather, sometimes in close proximity. But he, you know, for uh, several weeks there, wouldn't get to the place where he just said, look, everybody in the state needs to do this. Let's go forward. Uh, You know, one of the ironies in this is that the governor and local governments have been, you know, waging sort of a war for several years over, you know, state control versus local control. And the governor's standard line has been, you know, if you have everybody doing local control all over the state, you get this patchwork of regulations, he calls it, where, you know, the law changes when you cross a city line or a county line. And we just can't have that. And yet, in facing this pandemic, 
he decided to go for several weeks with effectively a patchwork of regulations where, you know, one big example is in Dallas County, they had stay-at-home orders and closed a bunch of businesses. And in Collin County, they had a sort of stay-at-home order, but also had a county judge saying, you know, all businesses are essential, uh, which was basically, you know, a high sign for everybody to go shop. Yeah, I, I talked to the county judge in Dallas, Clay Jenkins, and he said, you know, we've got a million people on top of us who are still going to work and shopping and living life in a lot of ways that are kind of normal that doesn't line up. I mean, so Clay Jenkins was one of those loudest voices really calling on Abbott. I think at one point he tweeted at the president asking him to give Abbott sort of political cover to issue statewide orders. And, you know, I, I kind of hate to bring up the political fight because, you know, people are dying and, and lives are being upended in ways that are kind of irreparable. But the dissonance has been kind of jarring, right? Like Abbott was this governor who was aggressive about nixing these patchwork systems when it came to ride sharing and paid sick leave and other local policies. And now he's kind of loudly and repeatedly touting his support for local control in response to coronavirus. And I, you know, can't help but think what that tone will be like when we come back in January 2021 for the next legislative session. You know, I think we'll probably revert to what it was in February 2020. You know, it's, it's probably going to be the governor back on that tack. And in fact, he did wait for the president. And when the president said, we need to do social distancing. Finally, then the governor finally came in and said, you know, statewide, we need to do social distancing. We need to do, you know, some of these other things. You know, one of the interesting things about this to me is that Abbott did such a widely commended job of handling Hurricane Harvey. Um, you know, governors have this thing, I've, you know, I, I call it county commissioner mode because, you know, former Governor Rick Perry used to do this thing where Whenever there was a hurricane or a tornado or something, the first thing Perry did was take off his suit and lose his tie, put on the uh, looked like a work shirt and a baseball cap and, you know, kind of got into the thing and was was quite good at it. Greg Abbott showed the same tendencies during Hurricane Harvey. He, you know, was working with um, Sylvester Turner, the Democratic mayor of Houston, with Ed Emmett, then the Republican county judge for Harris County, you know, really, really after some initial bumps really digging into that thing and really, you know, doing a job that everybody thought was pretty commendable. And I really thought we would see that version of Governor Greg Abbott in this pandemic. And instead, we've seen, you know, um, he's vacillated quite a bit. He's trying to, you know, to be fair to him, he's hearing different things from different people. He hears this set of arguments from a Clay Jenkins. He hears that set of arguments from, you know, uh, a mayor in Midland, for example. And, you know, he's got to be governor for all of those people and try to figure out how to do it. But as the cases have mounted and as the number of counties in Texas with, you know, proven cases of the new coronavirus uh, have, have increased, um, he's come more and more to a statewide solution. Yeah, I mean, in his press conferences, he sort of made it this habit um, when he's about to issue an order where he'll point out how many cases have positive, how many counties had positive cases, say, the week before versus that day and so on. But I mean, it feels like part of the challenge here is that you're always working with shoddy data, right? Like we don't actually know how many people are infected and where in real time, both because testing is limited, even as it's ramped up, and because those results don't come back instantly. It takes a couple of days. So 
if you are using the data to kind of come through the two different arguments that you're balancing at the same time from people in different places, doesn't that set you up for a little bit of failure if you're trying to contain this when you're working off of data that's always a few days, if not a week, out of date? Well, even if, you know, to your point, even if the data were good, even if everybody got tested and all of that kind of stuff, you have this gestation period for the disease and you have two problems with that. One of them is that, you know, you have this bug for days before you start coughing or sneezing or seeing any effects. If you're one of the people and, you know, it may be three out of four, it may be four out of five who actually has symptoms. A lot of people don't actually have symptoms. So, Part of the problem here is that you're finding out when you wait for cases to pop up, you're basically finding out where you were five or six days ago. And and the whole purpose of social distancing is to try to get ahead of those things so that the disease spreads a little more slowly so that you can catch up with testing systems, with uh, response systems like ventilators and ICU beds and all of the other things. And if you wait for this thing to show up, if you are sort of taking a... And I believe, I'll believe it when I see it approach, like frankly the governor has, and that a lot of people around Texas have been taking. If you wait until you see it, it's too late. It's like waiting for the velociraptor to get in the house. Emma, I want to talk to you about the latest opening in the state's long-running fight against abortion. It started with an executive order to postpone elective medical procedures, followed by a warning from Attorney General Ken Paxton. Tell us more about what we heard from the AG. So just about a week and a half ago, the governor issued an executive order barring any procedures that were not immediately medically necessary. And he doesn't, in that text of the order, refer to abortions. So it wasn't until the next day that Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton put out kind of a press release blast saying that this order should apply to any abortions that are not critical for the health or the life of the patient. Um, And this is kind of a long-running fight, as we know in Texas. Um, GOP state officials here are super opposed to abortion, and we kind of see that play out in various ways. Unsurprisingly, there was a pretty immediate lawsuit from a group of abortion providers who said, you you know, women have a constitutional right to this procedure and you can't deny it just because of this pandemic. And now we're kind of seeing that work its way through the courts. Yeah. I mean, Paxton has long been this sort of culture warrior in Texas and, and has waged a long fight out of his office to restrict this procedure in the state. Does this feel kind of as business as usual for him out of this? I mean, this is obviously coming in sort of an unprecedented moment where such big swaths of life have been on pause, but um, does it feel like kind of familiar territory for him? Paxton absolutely comes from a more conservative wing of the Republican Party in Texas. And um, I think certainly abortion providers would tell you this is business as usual from him. This is, uh, they've said, you know, a political opportunism at its finest, basically citing a global pandemic as an excuse to restrict access to a procedure that we know he opposes, you know, personally and politically all the time. Um, we've also seen kind of the the politics of of this play out from his office in various other ways. There was a legal question as to whether the various orders that are restricting, quote, non-essential businesses applied to stores that sell guns and ammo. And Paxton came down on the pro-gun side of that saying those are essential businesses and cities and counties can't close them. So um, certainly we're seeing his politics. I mean, this is a state that is pro-gun and anti-abortion and that is not changing as the world fights off a deadly virus. 
Yeah. So on Monday, a federal judge temporarily blocked the state's ban on abortion only for the Fifth Circuit to block that ruling for the time being as it figures out what it's going to do in the case. You know, the the thought of abortion providers quickly rescheduling appointments after win at the lower court that is then quickly blocked sounds so familiar at this point. It feels like we've been here so many times, particularly on the abortion front. Uh, what's the likelihood that this ends up at the Supreme Court? What is going on in other states that could kind of lead this down that pathway that we've you know been down before? So interestingly, Texas is not the only state that is moving to restrict access to abortion amid the pandemic. We've seen similar restrictions in states like Ohio, Iowa, Mississippi, Alabama, and Oklahoma, though Texas's order is among the strictest. And earlier this week on Monday, we saw three federal judges in three states. One of those was Texas, of course, block the state bans. Um, The other two were in Alabama and Ohio. So anytime you see stuff like this moving so quickly through the courts and you see such similar litigation in so many states, there's always a possibility that it's going to land at the U.S. Supreme Court for them to have to resolve it. Um, They don't want, for example, federal appeals courts in different parts of the country saying different things and causing confusion. confusion. So I think it's it's not impossible that, that we go there next. Before our next one on one, we've got two more sponsors to go to. Texas Farm Bureau. Big isn't bad and small isn't better. It takes farms of all sizes and families behind them to make agriculture work. Read more at txfb.us. And there are over 500,000 living alumni of the University of Texas in 176 countries around the world. Join this powerful network as a Texas X's member and reconnect with the place you once called home at texasx's.org. Jolie, Governor Greg Abbott has mostly deferred to locals throughout the early response to coronavirus, a pretty different stance from him given the state versus local control fights we've seen in recent legislative sessions. But there was a big way in which that changed this week. Uh, Just last week, we talked about efforts by local governments and advocates to get people out of jail amid the coronavirus pandemic. That was slightly interrupted on Sunday because of action by the governor. Tell me about his order. Yeah, so on Sunday, uh, the governor issued an order to prevent the release of people on no-cost bonds, so the release of people without paying bail who've been accused of um, violent crimes or have any violent crime conviction in their history. Um, So basically what that means is he is, because of these local officials who were kind of mulling what would be mass releases of people in jail to try to empty them to because of the threat of the coronavirus is so um real in jails because you know disease spreads very quickly in those environments um he is saying don't release them on personal bonds and personal bonds are where the judges can release people who are accused of crimes before their trial um without them having to post bail. So they don't have to necessarily have cash to be able to be released. Sometimes there are conditions like um, you have to go through drug testing or you have to have regular check-ins generally with um, the pretrial department of the county, Um, but there's no cash involved up front. And so he said you can't do that anymore um, and or during this pandemic. And, um, but, you know, the same, the same, defendants, someone who's accused of a violent crime, someone with a, 
maybe not accused of a violent crime at this point, but has a conviction in their past of a violent crime, um, they could get out if they have cash so they can post bail. Yeah, I mean, I think that the idea of people having cash still being able to go is something that really stood out because I was wondering how this squared with kind of the broader legal fights we've seen play out in federal courts over practices that have been found to discriminate against poor defendants. You wrote yesterday about how judges in Harris County were actually operating under different orders because of those fights. Tell me tell me about what you reported in Harris County. Yeah, so I mean, so Abbott's order was in his intention is that what he said is that, you know, we're going to keep violent criminals um off the streets when cops have enough to deal with right now um releasing them in mass is not going to help anything but you know that the the idea behind it is releasing them on these no cost bonds so people would still be able to be released if they can post bail and that is something that Harris County and Dallas County and Galveston County have been in federal court over already and they've lost in federal court um where there, so Harris County in particular has had their bail practices found unconstitutional when it was relying heavily on cash bail because the judges or the federal courts said um, it's discriminating against poor people. So the same someone ch- same charged with a crime um, could not get out of jail if they didn't have a certain amount of money, but the same exact defendant with the same exact uh, criminal history, everything like that, could get out if they had cash. And they're now under a consent decree, so like a federal court order, to release most misdemeanor defendants automatically on these personal bonds that don't have money attached to them. And they have to do that um, under federal court orders, and there has been question, and now the judges are saying these misdemeanor judges regardless of your criminal history if you have a violent conviction in your past that doesn't play into what you're charged with right now so say like i just got picked up for you know i have um a small amount of drugs or something some misdemeanor offense um and i had a violent conviction in my past um it doesn't mean i'm not going to be getting released on that no cost bond because the judges are following the federal court order instead of governor abbott's order so what's been the reaction from legal folks working on that kind of bail reform you know what are some of the questions of constitutionality they've raised about the governor's order yeah so i mean Harris County's bail practices were found unconstitutional for discriminating against poor defendants. And the same types of arguments are being raised now about Abbott's order um, because he's saying you can't release them on personal bonds. He's not saying you can't release them. Um, And so some of these bail reform attorneys, some Democrats, some criminal justice reform, um, you know, criminal justice reform advocates and defense attorneys are arguing now, like, how is this constitutional? Um, whether it gets challenged, it's unclear. But the federal court monitor, the person whose job is by the federal judge to monitor Harris County judges and ensure that they're following this federal court order, has said, you know, it's likely unconstitutional already. And so people in jail do have good reason to be afraid of contracting the virus, right? I mean, the number of positives in jails has continued to grow over the last week. 
Yeah, so right now the jails, there's one positive case in Harris County. Dozens more are symptomatic and awaiting on results, according to uh, County Judge Lena Hidalgo yesterday on Tuesday, she said that. Um, and Dallas County continues to have more and more. Um, I think as of yesterday, they were up to 17 people in the county jail who've tested positive up from, you know, seven on Friday and 10 on Saturday. So that number keeps growing as well. So the concern, not only for the people in jail, when a virus like this or spreads throughout the jail is that social distancing isn't really a thing. You can't really keep your distance from people in these environments. Um, so they're going to spread quickly. And then the concern is that they start taking up those local hospital beds um, that are also, you know, people are keeping a close eye on how many of those we have. That's all we have for you today. As always, thanks to Spoon for our theme music and to Texas A&M University, the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute, the Texas Farm Bureau, and the Texas X's, our sponsors this week. On behalf of Ross, Emma, and Jolie, and our producers Michael, Ray, and Regina, this is Alexa. Thanks for listening.